Item number, SCP-6174. Object class, safe. Pending Ticonderoga. Object class addendum. Object class, Euclid. Thaumule. Apollyon. Safe. Ticonderoga. Level 3 secret email. From the Ryza Communications Archive. Date. 2000. From Dr. Lass to senior staff. Subject SCP-6174. Down classification. Dear fellows. Did you all as well get the recent hand down from the O5? Does anyone know what's going on here? How in hell is SCP-6174 not an Apollyon-class anomaly? Has something changed that I haven't been made aware of? I highly doubt it because I can still see the goddamn ball. I don't need more headaches on top of this already chronic one. And this down classification is either a monumental clerical error or a disaster waiting to happen. Maybe both. I've formally requested reclassification again, though this time La Rosa reminded me of the new Ticonderoga class, and I begrudgingly agreed with her. We're the foundation, not the pencil factory. But if the O5 are so convinced that this thing isn't a threat to humanity, then we should at least make sure that everyone who reads the file knows that we have no idea how to contain it. Signed, Dr. Lass. Special Containment Procedures Containment Site Research Site Observation Site 6174 has been established around SCP-6174's resting place. As the nature of the object renders retrieval impossible, Foundation agents stationed nearby at the Containment Site Research site. Observation site. 6174 is a series of utility bunkers containing sensitive seismographic equipment for calibration and protection of the radio telescope. Site 6174's perimeter consists of two 5-meter tall industrial chain-link fences topped with barbed wire spaced 20 meters apart, surrounding a circular area of rainforest measuring approximately 1,000 meters in diameter. A large gatehouse on the northern end of the ring fences contains personnel living and sleeping quarters and offers the only entrance to or from the enclosure. Clear displays of warning signage and documents circulating within the observatory that the sensitive seismological equipment at the site must not be disrupted. So far, no significant attempts by non-Foundation entities to gain entry to Site 6174 or its central bunkers. At the center of Site 6174's enclosure lies the module of seven interconnecting bunkers, with six bunkers surrounding a seventh bunker in a hexagonal formation, each bunker consisting of a 10-meter diameter concrete dome, accessible via the door to the outside and connecting to the other doors via a concrete tunnel. No one is to enter any of these seven bunkers without the express direction of the site director. These bunkers contain in clockwise order from the northwest bunker. 
Bunker 1, Command. The retired command center for the observational module. Live footage from bunkers 1 through 6 has been rerouted to the display panels in Bunker 1, to video monitors in the gatehouse. Bunker 2 contains restrooms, a seating area, a coffee maker, and simple amenities for food preparation. All meals are to be taken in the gatehouse when possible. Bunker 3 Research Contains various retired equipment for conducting research on the nature of SCP-6174. One corner of the bunker holds a small, standard interview cell furnished with additional artistic supplies. The rest of the bunker is devoted to medical site with brain imaging equipment for monitoring the brain activity of test subjects. Bunker 4. Cells. Contains one guard post and two standard humanoid containment cells built up against SCP-6174's facing wall. Each cell is to be kept furnished with the simple living amenities adequate to one human subject. Bunker 5. Security. Guard Station Contains a minimum of two armed guards at all times, any time that the bunker contains D-Class personnel. Can sustain up to nine guards at any given time. Bunker 6 Sensors Contains autonomous monitoring devices for various environmental conditions, including atmospheric and seismographic sensors. All necessary data feeds have been rerouted to a video monitor in the gatehouse. Bunker 7. Containment The central chamber, Bunker 7, houses SCP-6174. This chamber is only accessible through the tunnels which connect it to Bunkers 1, Command, 5, Security, and 3, Research, and is to remain sealed at all times. We're not in use. Bunker 7's interior chamber is lit by an array of wall-mounted LEDs set to a soft white glow during daylight hours and a low-level defuse red glow at nighttime, not to exceed 0.001 lumens. Calibration for Bunker 7's nocturnal light should be made so that the average color range of the surface of SCP-6174 matches the approximate color value to the inside of the human eyelid when closed in a dark room. No personnel are to enter the facility without the express direction of the site director. Security Staff All personnel located at Site-6174 are to remain within the ring of ground between the two fences at all times. The perimeter of the ring fences will be patrolled by Site Security once an hour. All personnel are subject to psychiatric evaluations on a monthly, weekly, annual basis. Personnel who failed to maintain high scores across their metrics for mental fortitude and, and compartmentalization, or who score above their baseline for obsessive or compulsory metrics, are to undergo deep permanence evaluation. Individuals who have not developed deep permanence are to be administered Class A amnestics and, and relocated for placement at Foundation facilities no less than 1,000 kilometers from Site 6174. Personnel who fall within the parameters of relocation but who display deep permanence are to be brought to the site director for further briefing. Description 
SCP-6174 is an immovable, stationary object located at north west in Providence. It appears to be an off-white sphere, 16.22 centimeters in diameter, floating one meter above the forest floor via unknown means. A small pre-Columbian altar of non-native granite, which has been deemed to be non-anomalous in nature, sits below SCP-6174. The surface of the sphere appears to be perfectly round, though not perfectly smooth. SCP-6174's off-white exterior has been likened to bone, eggshell, or pumice, and many other materials by observers though all attempts to gather a sample of its surface or otherwise analyze its chemical composition have been met with failure. SCP-6174's primary anomalous feature is that, upon being seen, it cannot be unseen. Obstacles that would normally obstruct a subject's line of sight towards SCP-6174 fail to do so, resulting in the sensation that SCP-6174 is instead in front of any object or material. So far, no natural or artificial substance has been found that can block a subject's view of SCP-6174. This includes, but is not limited to, concrete, lead, silver, wood, bronze, holy water, eyelids, or... For a full list of tested materials, researchers may submit a request to site director. Most subjects are not aware of SCP-6174 until they approach within 250 meters of the object, or have their attention directed towards its location. This distance varies greatly based on the perceived qualities of the subject, and the degree of the difference between the average color of the observable environment and that of SCP-6174's exterior surface. Transcribed Video Log Video Log Date Nineteen Note Subject D thirty forty four was transported to site sixty one seventy four on and immediately ushered into bunker seven, containing SCP sixty one seventy four. The bunker was then sealed, with D-3044 as its sole occupant, with researchers in Bunker 1 observing via video feed. Oral instructions were provided to the subject via Bunker PA system. Begin Log 1422 Hours Subject D-3044 is instructed to sit at a wide table that has been set up facing SCP-6174. Subject is commanded to keep their head pointed towards SCP-6174 at all times. Subject proclaims surprise and discomfort with the fact that they can see SCP-6174 when she blinks. 1424 hours. Subject is told to pick up various panels laying on the table, each consisting of different material, and to hold them up in front of her face. D-3044 follows the commands promptly and appears disoriented when she attempts to block her view of SCP-6174 with the panels provided. 
Subject repeatedly attempted to touch the image of SCP-6174 that she saw in front of her as she held up the panels. 1453 hours. Subject completes testing with all provided material panels. None appear to have any obstructing effect on SCP-6174. Subject reports feeling of mild vertigo. 1502 hours. Subject hears the sound of the bunker door opening behind her and turns her head towards the source of the sound. Subject then begins screaming. Beyond the superimposition of SCP-6174's image at the forefront of the subject's line of sight, SCP-6174 also remains visible even when it passes beyond the normal field of vision. If a subject stands facing SCP-6174 and rotates their eyes or head until the object would pass from view, instead the subject will continue to see SCP-6174 in the void of sight beyond their peripheral. This sensation has a remarkably deleterious effect upon the mental state of most viewers, with subjects describing its visible presence beyond their peripheral as unbelievably disorienting, mentally torturous, and just plain wrong. Subjects who remain within close proximity of 6174 often develop swift phobias of allowing SCP-6174 to exit their normal range of vision, citing their discomfort and inability to function properly when it does so. Most subjects become functionally blind for an extended period wherein SCP-6174 sits beyond their normal range of vision. As their devotion to the focus on the image of SCP-6174 prevents them from properly observing the rest of their surroundings. Upon withdrawing to a significant distance from SCP-6174, most subjects report a minuscule image of the object, though still fully visible. Though still fully visible, it is nevertheless much less mentally taxing. Site-6174 has been constructed to reflect this finding as site staff have reported significantly higher levels of comfort in the gatehouse than the bunkers. Interview Logs Interviewed D-9253 Interviewer Researcher La Rosa Forward Subject D-9253 demonstrated a remarkable resilience to the usual mental strains caused by SCP-6174's persistent visual effects during the first day of testing. Site Director Lass requested that a number of simple questions be asked to the subject while his resilience remained high in order to establish a psychological baseline. Begin Log 1745 Hours Researcher La Rosa and D-9253 are seated on opposite sides of an interviewing table in Bunker 3. Dr. Lass stands nearby. Researcher La Rosa will be referred to as Interviewer. Interviewer. Reading from Questionnaire. So... D-9253. You've seen the... The ball... Uh, pardon... You have seen SCP-6174 up close and personal for a few hours now. D-9253 Stares blankly at a wall to his left. His line of sight pointed directly towards Bunker 7. Yep. Interviewer 
So you have, and... Interviewer notices the direction that D-9253's gaze. So you're looking at it now, aren't you? D-Class, aren't you? Interviewer. Sure, yeah. I suppose we all are, but you are looking at it, right now. Not just seeing it in the corner of your... Never mind. First question. What does SCP-6174 look like? D-Class. What? The ball? It's right there, man. Subject points at wall. You can see it, too. Subject pauses. You can, right? Interviewer. I ask the questions here, D-9253, and you will answer them promptly. What does SCP-6174 look like? D-Class. Well, I mean, it's a ball. A white ball, you know, like a mothball. One of those old ones. Yeah, like, actually round, though. Not the newer, flat ones. Like, really round. Like, really round, you know. I don't know, it's just like the right size for me to get my hands around it. I think I almost got shot earlier when I figured that one out. But I... I don't know. What else do you want? It doesn't feel cold or anything, just a bit rough. Kind of like... Kind of like touching a sidewalk. Maybe a little bit smoother depending on the neighborhood. Interviewer. And how does it feel... Not to the touch, but otherwise. How does it make you feel? D-Class. You know, it's got that... That hum. Not like a, an actual hum that you can hear, but that... That sort of hum that you feel. Interviewer. I'm not sure that I follow. It doesn't hum. But it feels like it should... D-Class. Yeah, maybe that's not the best way to say it. Subject pauses. It feels like you're supposed to know it's there. Interviewer, can you elaborate? D-Class. Could I what? Interviewer. Tell me more about what you mean when you say that... SCP-6174 wants you to know it's there. Oh, subject pauses. You ever met someone who's just like the center of attention? Not just the punk who tries to show off to everything, but I mean like someone who's just... When they enter the room, you just know they're there. And you kind of always... You always just kind of glance over at them. I don't know. Interviewer, so you're saying that SCP-6174 feels charismatic, that it has a character, if that might be the right way of saying it. D-Class. No, no, it doesn't feel like that. Not like it's a person or anything. Let me try another way. I feel like I'm supposed to know that it's there. 
SCP-6174's image always appears clear in the mind of the viewer. Though the sphere's diameter may seem to grow larger or smaller as the subject approaches or retreats from SCP-6174, such as to the extent of which a subject can manipulate an image of an object, attempting to blur one's vision via focusing or unfocusing the eyes through any means, natural or artificial, results in the field of the view that is blurry, except for a clear image of SCP-6174. This extends to the subject's peripheral vision, which, under normal circumstances, is not particularly receptive to finer visual details. In the case of SCP-6174, the subject can clearly see the details of SCP-6174's surface when it sits at the edge of their vision, and when it passes beyond their normal vision as well. So far, the lighting conditions within SCP-6174's enclosure have proven to be the only reliable way to cause any change to the viewer's perception of the image of SCP-6174 beyond movement towards or farther away from the object. Subjects describe SCP-6174's brightness and color to be directly related to the lighting conditions within the enclosure. Research has shown that lighting the surface of SCP-6174 to the approximate value of the bunker's exterior value during the daylight hours of and to the approximate hours of the inside of the human eyelid during nighttime hours has been most effective means of reducing mental strains on its viewers. Current containment procedures have been revised reflecting this finding. Though all efforts to contain the visual presence of SCP-6174 have failed, containment of the objects has been continual since 1951. Any effects that SCP-6174 may have on the greater public have been deemed largely non-existent, threatening in nature of fitting the requirement of the object class safe. Discovery SCP-6174 came to the Foundation's attention in 1951, when Steve Ballmer, a well-respected reporter of the National Geographic, began work on a circulation piece concerning a small cell of religious fanatics living in the rainforest in the slopes of... Notably, his researchers concerned a mythical folk legend of... of the world navel, the umbilical of the world, thought by believers to be some sort of deity or primeval nucleus that could inhabit the human mind. Foundation agents seized the material related to the National Geographic piece on the raid of and administered amnestics to Bomber and all connected staff. MTF Loda 3 Paul Bulls was dispatched to to investigate the authenticity of the religious cell, retrieve any anomalous items, and perform cleanup operations. Upon arrival, MTF Loda 3 quickly located SCP-6174 with the assistance of local rumors, independently notifying command of the object's non-unseeable nature in the establishment of a security perimeter along the line similar to the modern-day ring fence. Analysis of the granite pedestal below SCP-6174 brought a surprising conclusion that it had been carved at roughly 2000 BCE, or 500 years prior to the earliest human remains found in the development so far. No similar granite statues have ever been found in the vicinity of SCP-6174, 
though prior to the collapse of the secret tunnel system, MTF Loda 3 had reportedly Internal excavations of Foundation scientists in the 1950s could not validate these claims. And in 1954, site director Miraweather suspended all excavations indefinitely. Research into the history of the during initial containment revealed a long history of secretive interest in SCP-6174 on the island. Following Columbus's brief stop in in and again following the founding of the in 1509, by the time of the Americans' invasion of Puerto Rico at the tail end of the Spanish-American War, had once again begun to spread through the surrounding countryside. This group appears to be the same community that maintained the residence around SCP-6174 until the demise following the events of 1951. In 1952, Foundation plants within the United States Department of Defense Advanced Research Project Agency maneuvered policy decisions towards the construction of the telescope near SCP-6174 under the guise of defense applications for the detection of missile activity. Foundation scientists had been pushing for such an array for decades, as many research proposals called for a far-ranged radio telescope. At the time of its discovery, SCP-6174 was assumed to perhaps serve as a transmitter, or a beacon of some sort, to unknown entities. And as such, the construction of the observatory nearby would allow for simultaneous surveillance as well as research of the object. The geography of the area, prone to sinkholes and other underground systems, was further excavated to selections for the site of the telescope. Construction of the observatory was completed in 1963 and has maintained a strong foundation presence ever since. So far, no signs have been found that SCP-6174 serves as any transmission function beyond its temporary application to Project YANH. You are not here. On December 1st, 2020, Data expunged. Harmful to ongoing operations. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Research logs. Test. Live video and recorded video. SCP-6174 appears in videos, both live and pre-recorded as it would appear to the observer in real life. If SCP-6174 is obstructed from view in the video, it will still appear at the front of the viewer's field of vision in the video. However, SCP-6174 cannot pass beyond the edge of the screen on which it is shown. The lighting conditions of the object in the video are those at the time of the original filming. 
SCP-6174 will appear in perfect clarity regardless of the definition of the video, capture device, or playback screen. Photographs bearing SCP-6174's image SCP-6174 appears in photographs as it would appear if the observer were viewing the object. This gives the photograph an oddly 3D-like effect, as tilting an image that contains a materially obstructed SCP-6174 will cause an image of SCP-6174 to move across the photograph's surface, in front of any intervening materials. The lighting conditions of the object are those at the time of the original photo's capture. SCP-6174 will appear in perfect clarity regardless of the definition of the image capture device or the material onto which the image is transferred. Artistic Depictions Artistic depictions of SCP-6174, be they hand-drawn, digitally modeled, sculptured, poetic, or otherwise, bear none of SCP-6174's visual effects regardless of how accurate or inaccurate they may be to the image of SCP-6174. Even a pixel-by-pixel reconstruction from a digital file of the photograph of SCP-6174 itself will display no effects of SCP-6174. Testing on Non-Humans SCP-6174's Effect on Non-Humans Testing with a wide array of non-human animals has universally shown that said animals are unaffected by SCP-6174's properties. The object appears as an ordinary, if floating, orb to the creatures. Interestingly, this test has revealed that the object is in fact off-white in color, as animals trained in color recognition and pattern matching skills were able to correctly match SCP-6174's color swatches to its presumed color. This was not assumed as a fact at the time of containment, as by nature of SCP-6174's visual superimposition, researchers could not write off the possibility that the surface was, to the non-human eye, some other color. SCP-6174's Effect on Impaired Vision Subjects with poor vision are still capable of visualizing SCP-6174 clearly. These individuals often demonstrate more severe disorientation than other individuals, as it is harder for their minds to avoid latching onto this image against an unfocused background. SCP-6174's Effect on Those That Are Partially or Completely Blind Subjects who are cognitively blind or who have otherwise lost their sense of sight are still capable of visualizing SCP-6174 clearly. These individuals often demonstrate extreme disorientation in the face of SCP-6174's visual effects, often to the point of loss of consciousness and or complete loss of any sense of direction. A small percentage of blind subjects display a deep sense of rapture when brought near SCP-6174, though loss of directional sense was still present. Blood on the surface of SCP-6174 On 2000 
Researcher Erickson noted that there were two minuscule dark spots near the bottom of SCP-6174 sphere that could not be explained by the lighting conditions within Bunker 7. Under the assumption that this must be foreign material, Erickson gained permission to attempt to extract a sample. Scrapings revealed both spots to be trace amounts of dried human blood, one of which was a direct match to at the time of the object's initial containment. The other sample was much older and thus difficult to match, though there is a high likelihood that data harmful to ongoing operations. A spot of matching blood was discovered on the surface of the granite pedestal below SCP-6174. Though there is no prevailing theory as to how these two spots could have survived the environmental effects of weather, further research into the subject has been temporarily suspended, pending advancements in Foundation's available techniques for organic sample study. Documents Document 1. Temporary cessation of all traffic from Site-6174. Notice from the Foundation Personal Relocation Permission Board. All travel and relocation requests, personnel or otherwise, have been suspended for all members of the staff, Site-6174, per emergency request, Director Dr. Rothschild. Please stand by for further information from your superiors. Enacted 1955. Note. On 1955, Site Director Dr. Merriweather suffered a nervous episode en route to a conference in the mainland, which escalated onto seizures, followed by full cardiac arrest ending in the death of Dr. Merriweather. Postmortem autopsy revealed multiple cerebral aneurysms. Interviews with site director's traveling companions revealed that the man had lost control of his faculties as a direct result of working close with SCP-6174. Dr. Merriweather had expressed to his companions an increasing feeling of disorientation as he traveled further from Site-6174. Citing his ability to see SCP-6174 despite the vast distance between himself and the object, Dr. Merriweather described a feeling of unimaginable distance and kept repeating, God, it's still there. We're not supposed to be able to do this. And, oh God, I am undone. Following this event, all Foundation personnel stationed at Site-6174 were placed on a temporary no-fly list until the situation could be properly resolved. A full investigation aided in no small part by the researchers of Site-6174 revealed that those who had been in close proximity of SCP-6174 for extended periods of time are capable of pinpointing its exact position in their field of vision, even at the distances from which the object's image has grown so small that it would be imperceivable to the human eye. This came as no small surprise, as many Foundation staff, including members of MTF IOTA-3, responsible for SCP-6174's initial containment, had traveled to and from Site-6174 without any noted delirious effects beyond the standard disorientation felt for most individuals while in direct presence of the object. As a result of these events, 
All Foundation staff located at Site 6174 at the time of the incident were required to undergo a series of object permanence evaluations before being cleared for travel further afield. This involved transporting staff members progressively further and further from the site while under close medical observation to gauge whether they shared Dr. Merriweather's capability to pinpoint SCP-6174's image even at a great distance. Out of staff members passed these tests and were removed from the no-fly list, though members of staff, mostly junior researchers and security staff, failed their object's permanence evaluation and were placed on an indefinite assignment at the facilities, site 6174 or otherwise. Measures were taken to relocate families of the affected as necessary. Containment procedures on-site were subsequently altered to reduce the density of hours that researchers spent within close proximity of SCP-6174. Achieved via rotating work schedules and an increasing reliance of video surveillance. Notably, out of the individuals who failed the object's permanence evaluation, were nevertheless capable of maintaining normal baselines of mental fortitude and cognitive ability, even while at a great distance from SCP-6174. These findings were not acted upon for a number of years. But when Site Director Rothschild found her replacement in Dr. Lass, the relevant documents were brought into light and a potential application was re-examined. On 20... Initial testing of Project You Are Not Here began at Site 6174 under the oversight of Dr. Lass. Document 2 Practical Applications of SCP-6174 Deep Permanence Individuals SCP-6174 inflicts on some, but not all, affected individuals an imprint of deep permanence, or the ability to model SCP-6174's precise location and surface details, even at distances of which the diameter of SCP-6174's image should be orders of magnitude smaller than those observable by the human eye. The likelihood of an individual developing deep permanence is a presumed function of time spent in immediate proximity of the object over the distance from the object. So far, no reliable model for this function has been constructed. Further testing into subjects' metric for spatial reasoning, preconception, innate curiosity, and religious attachments are pending. Deep Permanence Receptors and Deep Permanent Rejectors Individuals who develop deep permanence can be further split into two categories. Approximately 90% of subjects selected from generalized pools developed an innate rejection to the applications from the finer senses that were developed from SCP-6174, such as the late Dr. Merriweather's. Results vary, but inevitably lead to multiple cases of cerebral microaneurysms, cardiac arrest, and death when the separation from SCP-6174 is prolonged at a great distance. The event horizon for these incidences vary widely between individuals. Approximately 10% of individuals who develop deep permanence suffer little to no negative effects of the separation from the object. 
many of these individuals in fact display a sense of wonder at such separation, claiming it to open their mind to the distance to which they had previously been unable to comprehend. The perception of deep permanence receptors or rejectors has been shown to be significantly higher amongst intentionally vetted subjects, and testing has shown that among subjects who volunteer for testing, receptees outnumbered the rejectors at a rate of to Practical Applications of Deep Permanence Receptees Individuals who are capable of maintaining visualization of SCP-6174 at great distances gain a subconscious ability to render its positional data towards varying practical purposes, such as individuals expressing an innate understanding of how far away they are from SCP-6174, stating they can just tell how distant the object is from how small the object appears in their vision. Testing with deep permanence receptees has proven this ability to be accurate to the extremely high degree, up to a maximum ability measured at the 90%. Deep permanence receptors also gain high degree of directional awareness as the result of their constant visualization on a fixed point in their space. Extensive testing of deep permanent subjects has shown their ability to maintain directional clarity regardless of blindfolds, suspension rotation, or other use of narcotics, among other environmental factors. Document 3. Request for funding for Project You Are Not Here. Y-A-N-H. Data expunged following RISE's financial documentation protocol. Document 4. Initial Successes of Project You Are Not Here From RISA Command Archive Date 20 From Dr. 2. All Site 6174 Staff Subject Mandatory Read A Job Well Done Dear fellows, those of you who are present in command this morning are already aware of the fact, but I wish to inform the rest of you that Project You Are Not Here has passed its first implementation in the field with flying colors. Team leader of MTF was able to successfully deploy Agent 9. Known to us here at Site-6174 as Richard, or... In an operation involving areas of warped space-time. To spectacular result, Agent 9 was capable of establishing a geometric lifeline to the base reality via deep permanence and our experimental training with coded lights projection onto the surface of SCP-6174 successfully allowed Agent 9 to establish a temporal lifeline exactly as theorized. Two birds with one stone indeed. A few minor side effects were noted, but none too troubling in a mission that was otherwise such a complete success. Perhaps most fascinating is the report that other members of MTF related an experience that they can only describe as deep permanence leakage 
team leader described a quasi-Scranton effect, whereby the presence of Agent alone was capable of particularly reducing the severity of the reality-warping effects within his immediate vicinity. This report offers an enormous opportunity for us to truly push what we can do with SCP-6174. Fellows, we must keep this up. Signed, Dr. Lass. Document 5. Request for reclassification of SCP-6174 to Thaumule. Approved. Document 6. Selection for enrollment in Project YANH. Phase 1. Effective immediately. Message start. 8-10. Charlie, 5. You have been selected for enrollment into Project You Are Not Here. Phase 1. Effective immediately. Please report to Team Leader Beta-1 for briefing. Message end. Document 7. Retrieval Log. Watch this video to instantly die. Retrieval Log. Date. Note. Foundation agents in the vicinity of the... Museum of Modern Art reported an emergent situation concerning an overnight installation of an interactive exhibit titled Did You Leave Your Oven On? consisting of pieces of experimental modern art, all of which held plaques detailing their displays, courtesy of the collection of Mr. Clearwater and Daughters. Most of these pieces were deemed to be non-anomalous in nature, if highly disturbing in some cases. A full list can be obtained via a standard RISA research fulfillment request. This exhibit was accessible to the public for 13 minutes in the morning of 2000, as museum staff were not aware of its anomalous nature at first. Foundation agents reported an emergency situation following the museum's closure at due to the cardiac arrest and death of two patrons and reports of the installation titled Watch this video to instantly die. Expecting visual cognito hazards and the possibility for a memetic kill agent, MTF 8 at 10, See No Evil, was dispatched to investigate the exhibit, retrieve any anomalous items, and perform cleanup operations. Begin Log 959 Arrival of MTF Ada 10 at the Museum of Modern Art. 1003. Perimeter secured. Amnestic team deployed. 1006. Initial sweep of exhibit. Did you leave the oven on? For visual cognito hazards begins. 1013. Initial sweep for visual cognito hazards comes back negative. 1014. Examination of specific installations begin. Installation 7, titled Your Refrigerator is Running, Aren't You?, is deemed anomalous and extracted. Object is pending classification as a CP. 1021. Installation 1, titled Watch This Video to Instantly Die, is handled with extreme caution as it is supposed to have caused the death of two civilians. The installation consists of a standard brand tablet device mounted securely on the surface of a stainless steel table 
enclosed within a cardboard box, laying on its side. In front of the table sits a plastic lawn chair for the museum's patrons to sit in, forming a primitive viewing booth, and presumed purpose of which is to ensure that the patron watch the video from a specific vantage point. The tablet plays a looping video of concentric circles that guide the viewer's attention towards the center of the screen. Viewed from afar, the object presents no cognito hazards, and MTF-8F3, Team Leader Bravo-1, commands that all components of it be removed from the scene wholesale for testing at a remote facility. Document 8 Observation of hippocampal activity in subjects suffering from severe malformation of optical lobe. Findings Hypothesis Previous experiments utilizing researchers de La Rosa's novel imaging ray showed marked activity across a wide range of sensory structures in the subjects experiencing the effects of SCP-6174 at close proximity, and even at long distances in subjects proven to have established a deep permanence of any significant degree. This study seeks to explore an unusual activity pattern found in the vast majority of cases wherein the subject experiencing visual stimulation shows spiking activity in areas of the brain not directly related to visual stimulation provided by the researchers. Practice Two subjects Twins Female 23 Both with dampened optical functions both were imaged while experiencing a direct line of sight towards SCP-6174. Both subjects suffered from congenital malformations within the optical lobe, resulting in total blindness and loss of auxiliary sensory faculties connected to the lobe. Results Harmful to ongoing operations From the RISA Command Archive Date 2000, from researcher De La Rosa to Dr. Lass, subject, get back here, stat. Dr. Lass, get back here, stat. We ran some tests on the blind girls. They're not seeing the ball. They're remembering it. All the best, researcher De La Rosa. Document 9, selection for enrollment in project YANH. Phase 2. Effective immediately. Message start. Ada 10. Charlie 5. You have been selected for enrollment in Project. You are not here. Phase 2. Effective immediately. Please report to Team Leader Beta 1 for briefing. Message end. Document 10. Findings from... Watch this video to instantly die. Non-anomalous nature of objects. After extensive testing, no anomalous properties could be found in any of the components testing for watch this video to instantly die. Nor could testing with D-class personnel replicate the cardiac episodes of the two civilians that died at the Museum of Modern Art. Re-examination of Did You Leave Your Oven On? MTF-8 at 10 was redeployed to the Museum of Modern Art in order to re-examine the hall in which Did You Leave Your Oven On had appeared. 
members were instructed to search for any environmental conditions that may have been overlooked at the first sweep. Agent Charlie Five's Discovery Agent Charlie Five, a long-standing member of MTF Eta 10, had not been present at the initial sweep of the exhibit due to the complications of the deep permanence training at Site 6174. Agent had exhibited a particular aptitude for the program, and team leader Beta-1 had given the green light for his enrollment in deep permanence training and subsequent readmission into the task force following its completion. Upon arrival at the former location of the video installation, Charlie 5 reported no unusual dilations of space-time in the area. When giving a diagram of the placement of the objects in the installation, Charlie 5 grew extremely troubled and marked that anyone who sat in the lawn chair and looked directly at the tablet would have been looking at a direct line towards SCP-6174. Emergency Testing Three Foundation facilities were immediately contacted for their fulfillment of three criteria. Possession of a D-Class personnel, possession of an agent trained in deep permanence, and possession of adequate facilities to construct a highly accurate array for the direction of subject's vision. All three facilities set about immediately recreating the Watch This Video to Instantly Die installation with deep permanent agents calibrating the viewer's line of sight towards SCP-6174. All three D-Class personnel who observed the video from their calibrated vantage points experienced cardiac arrests within one minute, with post-mortem autopsy showing multiple cerebral microaneurysms. Results Site 6174's director, Dr. Lass, could not be contacted at the time of MTF Ada 10's discovery, as he was actively in transit from the director's on the continent. Researcher Agustina de la Rosa was given temporary emergency command of Site 6174 by order of 05. Document 11. Suspension of all Project You-Are-Not-Here activities, effective immediately, from the Office of O5. All Project You-Are-Not-Here activities suspended indefinitely, effective immediately. In light of recent developments in our understanding of the nature of SCP-6174, all Project Y-A-N-H activities are to be halted and all outstanding phases are to be preemptively cancelled, pending reapproval by O5. All personnel who are working on or who have worked on Project YANH will be contacted shortly about their liaison for their expedition of this process. Document 12. Critical Failures in Project You Are Not Here. Note. Following the completion of the deep permanence training through Project YANH on The first batch of YANH stable agents were returned to their teams for application in the field. Of Entrance to the program, only Enrollees were unable to return to active duty as a result of complications resulting from their training. 
Many of the stable agents were able to successfully implement deep permanence in the field to great positive effect. Similar to those benefits demonstrated by the preliminary testing done by MTF Agent 9. However, stable agents experience unforeseen catastrophes as a result of their new abilities. A truncated list of extreme failures is provided below. Findings Exploration of SCP Stable agent had demonstrated a marked ability to utilize the temporal lifeline offered by deep permanence to SCP-6174, and initial hours spent within SCP resulted in further progress than previous agents had been capable of in years of exploration. However, after exiting SCP, Stable Agent displayed an unshakable determination and deep phobia that they did not exist. Stable Agent refused to accept the fact of their own existence, yet was also terrified by the notion that they might not exist. Subject entered a manic episode hours after their arrival at the entry point of SCP and was moved to suicide watch at site mental rehabilitation ward where they currently reside. Containment of SCP Stable agent's presence on the containment team had a notable positive reality stabilizing effect for the team members in her proximity. However, upon confronting SCP in the field, stable agent refused to proceed with accepted containment procedures citing that non-anomalous nature. Stable agent vehemently continued in this assertion, and as a direct result, containment efforts failed, leading to the escape of the target. Exploration of SCP Stable agent passed through the portal and immediately collapsed, withering and screaming. Stable agent babbled incoherently about seeing forever, for four minutes until seizing and entering a cardiac arrest state. Stable agent was successfully retrieved by accompanying members of MTF, but was pronounced deceased upon returning to baseline reality. Researcher at site. Initial beta testing of Project YANH Phase 2 proceeds prior to the full enrollment of its intended stable agents, resulted in harmful to ongoing operations. These events occurred within four days immediately following the first batch of stable agents. Document 13 Personal note from the desk of researcher Agustina de la Rosa. Gods, I haven't slept in 28 hours. I need to crash after I get these thoughts out. Lash should be back soon, and for once I am looking forward to that pissy little fellow. I'm tired of everybody thinking I'm in command, but there is still so much to be done, now that the snowball started rolling. There are at least two things that, well, we've come up with at least two conclusions about SCP-6174. 
Ironically, we seem to hit them both on the head at the same time. I here in the lab, and the boys out in- Mine was that the ball's unseeability is not really that it can always be seen, but that we always know where it is. Similar, but not exactly the same. See, I thought it was memory at first, when I saw those deep brain scans of the twins. But I think it's less like us remembering, and more along the lines of just inherently knowing where something is. In the same sort of vein as when you are walking, you always know where your feet are. Maybe it's some different form of muscle memory. Kind of, but anyways, we have a lot more scanning to get done before we can be sure of any hypothesis. I guess we suspected it could be the case for a while now, but in the back of our minds we really didn't want to admit it or test it. I sure as hell didn't want to think about it. Heinstein is 2020, etc, etc. Well, it turns out that everyone can see the ball but they just don't know where to look for it. As in every human born under the sun can see the damn ball. So long as they're pointed in the right direction. It makes so much sense now that we know it. Like our eyes naturally move in tracking patterns. They twitch around in our head and are looking around. And even their smooth transitions when we track moving objects aren't infinitely granular. Really, we rarely look at any object, just close to it. For someone in, say, Jakarta, that teeny tiny dot of SCP-6174 8,000 miles away would not only be beyond their feet, but also insanely small. I haven't crunched the numbers yet, but there would have to be a bafflingly small percentage chance that that over the course of day-to-day -day life that that anyone would ever manage to directly look at that spot by accident but oh boy if somebody does it's something like 99 percent of our species are not deep permanence trained we aren't supposed to be able to clearly picture something thousands of miles away we aren't trained to handle that sort of sheer scale and when our squishy, tiny, little monkey brain suddenly finds itself accurately processing just how massive space is between us and one small ball on the other side of the globe, bye-bye brain. Okay, so I actually crunched the numbers. It was bugging me. Someone on the other side of the world, looking at exactly where they would need to see SCP-6174, would see it at the size of about an atom. Except they would actually be able to see it, somehow, and understand how small it is. Which means understanding how far away it is, and in turn understanding how small they are. And this? This is just not natural. Or rather, is natural that we wouldn't be able to handle such a thing. Our brains aren't made to be capable of processing things like that. Why would they? A monkey only needs to know its relative immediate surroundings. 
a couple square kilometers max. Sure, we can look up at things in the night sky and look billions of light years away. We're not actually processing what we're looking at. Our brain literally can't. We're just seeing tiny specks of light. We can process from here to the maybe even to the beach. But when your brain suddenly realizes that for some godforsaken reason that it is capable of accurately and completely visualizing an object from tens or hundreds or thousands of miles away, and you're not one of those weirdos who are trained to do so consistently, your brain just stops. Your heart just gives out. But the world is empty, isn't it? It's all empty space, with a few chunks of stuff in it. And those chunks of stuff are made up of particles that are, in turn, made up of mostly empty space. I know people throw around these words all the time, but the ball really makes you process and just understand how tiny you are. I don't even want to think about what would happen if you looked at it from the moon, or God forbid, from an even farther place. Your little head would probably go thermonuclear. Maybe that's how the foundation will weaponize this. Make a bunch of little walking monkey brain time bombs, have them look in a direction, and boom. I just ran the numbers because they were going to bug me if I didn't do it before I went to bed. And if you were to look at it from Pluto, it would be less than the size of a nucleus. Anyways, here's hoping for sleep. Augustine de la Rosa Document 14 Emergency classification of SCP-6174 as a polyon. Approved. Document 15. From Site 6174's communication logs. Date. From Dr. Lass to all site 6174 staff subject code innocent dear fellows we have entered a code innocent situation check your handbooks if you don't remember that one it's way in the back with the other like that would ever happen kind of vocabulary la rosa has provided ample proof that scp 6174 is one of two things both of which have terrible implications. Option 1. SCP-6174 is a polyon-class anomaly. This would entail that some aspect of nature, which we have been considering anomalous, has wormed its way so deeply into how we as humans view our world, that it is inherently uncontainable and perhaps even actively causing the degradation of the human species. Thankfully, we have yet to prove that SCP-6174 really does much of anything, at least in an active sense, so we may yet be able to dodge this bullet. 
but we may not actually want to dodge this bullet. Because option two is that. Option two, SCP-6174 is non-anomalous. That is the more terrifying of the two options, by a few degrees. This would entail that all human beings have some quasi-shared memory of a singular point, which, for whatever godforsaken reason, looks like a small, white, floating ball in the jungles of Now, this would still be a head-scratcher beyond the usual why. Since we know that the thing floats anomalously and is insanely durable, Hopefully, those facts alone mean that we may yet be able to write off this every human being has a small section of their brain devoted to the image of this object hypothesis. Let's hope that LaRosa can pull off her usual wizardry and find something useful on this. However, until we know more, we are still in a code innocent. All travel from Site 6174 has been suspended and we are on indefinite lockdown while our superiors decide on the fate of the little site. I foresee an influx of fresh blood in the coming weeks as they send more hands to put on deck. Times like these make me ever thankful that our operation was always deemed unnecessary for an on-site warhead. Signed, Dr. Lass. Document 16. Verdict on the nature and treatment of SCP-6174. Order of business. Verdict on the nature and treatment of SCP-6174. Present. 05 through 05. With 05 and 05. Absent. Begin log. Note. Subdebates and arguments pertaining to unrelated matters have been excised. Certain statements have been expunged from the record at the behest of the speaking parties. 05. Arranging their papers. Order. Fellows, order. The topic at hand, and I'm referring at you is that of SCP-6174. SCP-6174, as all of you know, is the un-unseeable sphere in The researchers at Site-6174 still haven't figured out where it came from exactly, or how long it's been there, or if anyone built it, or, matter of the fact, they haven't figured out much about it beyond its naturally occurring phenomenon. But as far as we know, the thing has existed for multiple millennia longer than we've been observing it, doing little more than float in people's vision. However, the matter at hand is thus. We recently discovered that all of us have been observing it this whole time. We just didn't know and weren't capable of understanding it. What with that damned video from the art exhibit, which, by the way, also proved once and for all that this thing has a greater potential to harm the public. As any party could figure out exactly how to get a large percentage of the human population to accurately look at its fundamental direction, 
they could possibly achieve a mass murderous and or death event on an enormous proportion. So SCP-6174 has been temporarily granted a reclassification as a polyod and is pending a whole-scale reconstruction in its containment and research protocol. But if that were all, I would not have convened this meeting. Rather, who has had an eye on SCP-6174 for some 90-odd years now, has expressed a convening argument to me in private for why we should not treat SCP-6174 as an Apollyon-class anomaly, and instead treat it as a safe-class anomaly. I will pass the floor to now, as they are more involved in knowledgeable party in this matter. O5. Thank you. Yes, I motion that we classify SCP-6174 as a safe-class anomaly and severely limit any and all further research or meddling that is done in relation to it. For starters, yes, we cannot currently contain the object's visual effect, regardless of the security of the object's physical sphere. Yes, some individuals have died upon finding its minuscule dot in their field of vision. And yes, any of you could technically notice it at any point in time especially if you were to look in that direction. O5 dash points towards the floor a meter away in the direction of I already have, and I promise you it does bend your mind quite a bit on first contact, though I doubt it would seriously rock any of you here. I know we have certainly seen and felt worse things in my tenure here. The real issue with SCP-6174 is that it currently offers no more of a threat to humanity than any other of nature's other aspects already do. The world is, simply put, a dangerous place for our little humans. Take heights for an example. Yes, a human falling off a tall enough object will most likely cause them to die. But we haven't assigned every cliff in the world an object class now, have we? Of course not. Some people intentionally jump off cliffs, and others accidentally wander off them. But that's not really our concern. We do not presume to protect all of humankind from their own possible stupidity and bad luck, unless someone were to find concrete proof that either of those features were not, in fact, naturally occurring aspect of the human life. So we come to SCP-6174. Yes, it is undeniably an anomalous object, if by no other metric than the fact that we have yet to find anything else that has its unusual visual effect. That and it floats. However, any negative effects that SCP-6174 may have on the greater public are roughly equivalent to those of the natural world already has. Anyone can have an aneurysm at the drop of a hat. SCP-6174 or not, aneurysms are not Keter-class objects. They are not even objects in our mind. They do not try to do anything. They are simply a thing that can happen. But, you will say to me, an object does not need to intend harm to be harmful. And while I do say this is true in response, 
I am arguing that SCP-6174 is not a harmful object, that it is simply an object through which some individuals, when exposed, can have a dangerous realization that they are infinitesimally small. Think about time for a moment. Time is the vector through which many deadly mediums affect mankind. Disease on its own does not kill a man. But the realization of a disease by the way of time can have a deadly effect on humans. But time does not kill those humans. Disease does. Just in a roundabout way, via the channel that is time. SCP-6174 does not kill anyone. It is simply an object whose existence causes some of its viewers to realize aspects of their baseline non-anomalous reality that their human brains were not built to understand or handle, namely distance and size, neither of which are inherently anomalous or dangerous in any aspect of reality. SCP-6174 is only a threat to humanity in that it will, on an extremely occasional basis, cause some unlucky soul to realize just how small they are, and how monstrously large the rest of the world is. Any old nun's supreme crisis of fate could stop her heart just as effectively as newfound understanding of scale, even if such an occurrence is quite uncommon. But if we get down to the brass tacks, the likelihood of a man or woman looking at SCP-6174 on accident is just as small as the likelihood of a priest going to meet their maker because they suddenly decided for themselves that said maker does not exist. In summation, SCP-6174 is no more of a threat to humanity than your average cliff or your average unexpected medical condition. As such, it should be given an object class of safe, and largely left unmeddled with. I pass the floor to general debate. O5 With all respects, but we have literally seen MCND use this thing to kill people. How is that a safe object? O5 I expected that one of you might try to ask this question. MC and D have killed people with their own bones before. Do we label bones as anomalous? Or the means by which said bones killed their victim? Or do we label MC and D as anomalous and forget about the bones? O5 Hmm. But you must admit that SCP-6174 was the cause of death and an anomalous death at that. O5 No. I do not have to admit that. Only that SCP-6174 was the vector through which a deadly realization came about in a few persons' minds. It was not their cause of death. O5 That's just semantics. You don't remember our decision about- Data expunged to unrelated matters. O5 Wait. 
It doesn't matter if this thing is natural or not, does it? It's an anomalous object. Even if the cause of death it brings around is technically one that could be considered natural. Oh, five. Yes, it's an anomalous object. However, its effect on humankind at large is no more severe than the most naturally occurring objects or events, anomalous or otherwise. I am not motioning that we stop treating SCP-6174 as an object in need of containment. I am simply motioning that we classify it as safe to halt further meddling with it. It is sat snugly in a forest and for God knows how long, and look, humanity has not suffered as the result. To quote saying, I'm sure that more people have been killed by vending machines than by SCP-6174. But beyond simple death counts, which we all know aren't a helpful metric in this discussion, SCP-6174 has never attempted to escape or done anything else but just exist. So far as we know, it's simply one visual effect that cannot be contained, and whose effect is inherently self-containing in and of itself. Until some unaware civilian survives noticing SCP-6174 in their vision, and we need to deploy cleanup operations, this object is effectively safe and essentially self-containing. O5. But about the possibility of the object is reality anchor of sorts, or perhaps even a dimensional anchor in reference to the baseline properties, such as distance or size. I remember reading report a while back in on the possibility that SCP-6174 was a reality anchor built by a bygone civilization, akin to our Scranton's reality anchors. Nothing ever came of that report, if my memory serves, which it always has. Should we not keep research rolling on this thing to see if we can't discern the object's origin? O5. I'm glad you brought this up. In my mind, the dangers of poking this particular bear outweigh any possible benefits of doing so. If the object is in fact the result of some technological advancements beyond our current understanding, then we will no doubtably eventually make those same technological advancements ourselves without its help. On the other hand, given the small chance that SCP-6174 is currently functioning as some form of reality anchor, any poking or prodding that we do see the object would cause an actual end-of-world scenario. I see the possible benefits being far overshadowed by the possible losses. The thing has been there for over 5,000 years, and I don't see much of a reason to interrupt it. Whatever it is. O5. You're always one to advocate not poking the bear but that has not always been a positive feature. Remember, data expunged unrelated matters. Data expunged on behalf of speaking parties. Data expunged harmful ongoing operations. Data expunged insufficient clearance. 
0.05. And we've come full circle now with argument. So let us put this matter to vote. To state the motion again, I motion that we classify SCP-6174 as a safe class anomaly and serve to limit any and all further research into or meddling that is done in relation to SCP-6174. Voting begins now. 05. Expunged at the behest of speaking parties. Vote count. Yays. Nine. Nays. Two. Absent. Two. Verdict. Motion carried. SCP-6174 was reclassified as a safe class anomaly, with all invasive research into its nature and function suspended indefinitely. Pending any future repeal by 05. Document 17. 05 memo detailing the reclassification of SCP-6174 as safe. From the office of O5, SCP-6174 has hereby been reclassified as safe, effective immediately. In the light of recent developments, SCP-6174 has been deemed fitting to the object class as safe, effective immediately. This decision is the result of careful consideration, and all relevant entities were consulted during the deliberation process. Any records, physical or digital, pertaining to Project You Are Not Here are to be submitted to RISA for archival purposes. All personnel who are working on Project You Are Not Here will be contacted shortly by their liaisons for the expedition of this process. Document End